begin reading in verse 1 in Romans chapter 8. It says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what law... For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the, fle in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his." And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And we'll end our reading right there. So back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And I'll be honest with you here in Romans uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 1, we can read up to the comma there and preach the rest of the night just on those few words. That there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in uh, Christ Jesus. But that uh, verse continues, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But the, the most encouraging part of this, uh, as I said, if you, if you read through Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, you read about this war uh, that goes on between the flesh and the Spirit. And you read, Paul, wrote, uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 uh, about how he would have never known sin if it were not for the law. He said, I would have never known, uh, known that lust was a sin, that there was anything wrong with lust. If the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. Paul says, I would have never known these things if it weren't for the law. But then we get to Romans chapter 8 after Paul's talking about realizing that he was a sinner, realizing that lust and covetousness was a sin. And Romans 8, 1 begins, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And folks, it, it pleases me to tell you that if you're here this evening and a born again child of God that's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you have indeed been born again that there is no condemnation for you for you are inside of Christ Jesus and as per the scripture that Christ Jesus is inside of us it's a two it's a two way thing there as far as the scripture goes we are in Christ and Christ is in us and because of this promise in the scriptures to those that have repented of their ways and have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ when they heard it when they realized their sinful state when they realized that they were in need of a Savior and that Almighty God was that Savior through Jesus Christ when they believed on the name of Jesus Christ this is when they were born again and this is when the condemnation that the law give us the condemnation that abode on us 
the, the wrath of Almighty God, according to the Scripture, abides on those who are wicked. And, and folks, by birth, we are all considered the children of wrath. But when we were born again, and even now, the Bible says here that there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. It is now that I am here before you. And if you're born again, it is now that you sit out there as part of a congregation in a church on a Wednesday night. Right now, here and now, there is no condemnation to you if you've been born again because you are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came. He suffered a cruel death on a cross and He rose again the third day from a borrowed tomb and He ascended unto the Father to forever make mediation between us and the Father. The Father that had cast us off. The Father that had cast us off way back in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. All of mankind was cast off from God. We fell under a curse from Almighty God. And not only us, but the very earth which we live upon is under the curse of God. But those that are in Christ Jesus, we have no condemnation of us. Anytime the devils or the nymphs that roam this world right now whisper in your ear and they come to you and they tell you about your past sin and they remind you of the times that you walked away from God, that you weren't with God, of the things you've done, of the places you go. You remind them that you are a born again child of God and because of that, that now, even now, there is no condemnation to me because I am in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I've had to remind those demons of that more than once. I've had to take them back to this very scripture that now for the child of God, there is no condemnation in me or toward me because I am in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say, who, uh, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Paul here is not putting a condition on salvation. He's not putting a condition on those that, that, uh, that are inside of Christ Jesus. He is saying that because they are in Christ Jesus, they don't walk after the flesh, but they walk after the Spirit. This isn't a a condition that Paul has put on them. This is a product of salvation. Before I was saved, hey folks, I walked after the flesh. There was none of the Holy Spirit within me, none of the Holy Spirit that I wanted any part of. But since I've been born again, the Holy Spirit goes with me. He guides me. He he directs my paths. Paul said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, is what he wrote to the church at Galatia. And And it pleases me to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the ways of God, to walk the straight and the narrow path that leads to life everlasting. Again, this is not a condition. This is a product of what salvation does. Hallelujah. Those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and the law and uh, uh, from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin? 
And what is the law of death? If you flip back to Romans chapter 7, there's pretty definitive answers to those two questions. What is the law of sin? If you look at Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 21, Paul says, I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is, which is in my members. So this is the law of sin. Now, what is this law of death? You stay in Romans chapter 7 and you begin reading at verse 7. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. By sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. So these are the laws of sin. This is, this is the law of sin, and this is the law of death that we read about here in Romans chapter 7. But here in Romans 8, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life uh, in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. When the Holy Spirit came into my heart and came into my body, came into me to live and abide with me and to direct me and to guide me everywhere that I go and in everything that I say and in everything that I do, this Spirit, it trumps these other laws that we're talking about here. The law, the laws that were given of sin and the laws that were given of death. Hey folks, the law had absolutely no power to redeem mankind. The law had no power to to reconcile mankind back to God. The only thing that the law was capable of was showing man just how wicked and disgusting and sinful he was in the eyes of a thrice holy God. And the other thing that the law was capable of was showing mankind just how holy and just how righteous that almighty God who gave the law was and is. These were the two purposes of the law. To show man how bad he was and to also show man how good God is. How did, how did the law show man these things? When Jesus Christ came, he kept the law. He kept the whole law. Every jot and every tittle, precept upon precept and line upon line, Jesus Christ kept the law. He kept it perfectly. No sin was ever found in him. The Bible says that no guile was ever found in his mouth. He lived a perfect, sinless life, which is something that you and I are both incapable of doing. It was impossible for us to keep the law. Not only that, but it was impossible for us to please God by keeping the law because our flesh was still sinful. Our flesh, there was still something wrong with it. It was still underneath the curse of Almighty God. But we continue in verse number three. It says, for the for what the law could not do and that, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin. And the flesh, he says, for what the law could not do, God sent his only begotten son and condemned sin in the flesh when Jesus Christ came. He wasn't just some spirit that was floating around. He wasn't just uh, anything along those lines. Jesus Christ was fully God and he was fully man as he roamed this earth, as he went to the towns, as he taught and as he preached and as he healed and as he worked miracles. Jesus Christ was all 
God and Jesus Christ was all man for the only way that He could be the true propitiation for our sin. The only way that He could give His life a ransom for many is if He shed blood. For the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Blood must be shed and He must have taken on a body in order for this to happen. And hallelujah that He done it. Hallelujah. Verse 3 again. says, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In the likeness of it. There was no difference between Jesus Christ and you. Or Jesus Christ and me or anyone else. Other than the fact that He was completely blameless. He was completely sinless. That was the only thing that separated us. As far as His humanity goes, that was the only thing that separated us from Jesus Christ is that we are full of sin. The Bible says that we are shaping in iniquity and we're born into sin. We're shaping in iniquity in our mother's wombs. When we're born into this world, we are born sinners. We're, we're As I've already said, uh, according to the Scripture, we are children of wrath by nature. Every one of us, there are there are no exceptions to that rule. Every one of us have fallen under the curse that was laid upon Adam and Eve. Everyone since then and everyone that will be born on into the future and everyone that is alive now is under that curse. But God sent His only begotten Son to condemn sin in the flesh. There's people out there now that think that Jesus Christ just went to the cross. That think that He just gave His life. I think that he just bled out there on the cross for the redemption of mankind. But what Jesus Christ did in the bigger picture was he took your sin and he took my sin and he took it upon himself. And my sin, praise God, was nailed to that cross with Jesus Christ. Your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God condemned sin in the flesh when Jesus Christ was crucified. He took the wrath of of God upon Himself. He took the condemnation that I deserve and that you deserve upon Himself that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to my Savior. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Again, it almost sounds like he's going back to verse 1 where he says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Here he says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Again, this is not a condition. He is speaking of people who have believed the gospel when they've heard it, that have repented of their ways, that have trusted in Christ and Christ alone as per the scripture alone. They have trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Folks, I'm telling you now, don't trust in Jesus Christ and your water baptism. Don't trust in Jesus Christ and how much good you're doing in the community. Don't trust in Jesus Christ and how many hungry people you fed or how many naked people you clothed. Those things are all great and fine and well in their own respect, but they cannot earn you salvation. Your deeds can never earn you salvation. 
and sin was condemned in the flesh and the man, Jesus Christ. And this is the only uh, payment for sin that God will accept. We can try our best to work our way to heaven and we will never, ever get there. We can try our best to do good deeds and hope that when we stand one day before God that He'll accept us and accept our ways and accept our deeds. But the only way that Almighty God will accept is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only payment for your sin was shed on a cross 2,000 years ago. The blood of Jesus Christ is all powerful to wash away the sin of the entire world. Praise God. Amen. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled. Not in Christ. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that be in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1. Sin was condemned in the flesh. So that the righteousness of God could be fulfilled in us. Jesus Christ took God's condemnation and God's judgment and God's wrath and God's fury and God's punishment on himself that the righteousness of God could be fulfilled in us. How is that even possible? It's possible because this is the very plan that God had in God had in place from the very get-go before the world was ever formed, before the universe was ever spoken into existence out of absolutely nothing, before any of these things happened. Hey, John said it himself in the book of Revelation. He said, I saw a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That tells me that the, that the plan that Jesus Christ would be the ultimate sacrifice was in place long before the foundations of the world were ever laid. And Jesus Christ took our punishment, took your punishment and my punishment on himself and the condemnation of God that the righteousness of God would be fulfilled in us. There is therefore not no condemnation to those that be in Christ Jesus because Jesus Christ is all righteousness. Jesus Christ himself is the righteousness of God and if I be in Christ and he be in me the righteousness of God is being fulfilled in my life right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ain't he a wonderful God? Ain't he a wonderful God? Ain't he glorious? How who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Paul changes gears just a little bit right here in Romans 8. In the next few verses, he says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, they that are that are after the flesh, they that are uh, after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. In other words, they're more concerned with the things of the flesh, with the worldly things, with the things that satisfy their flesh and satisfy their own desires than they are the things that satisfy the Spirit of God and God Himself. Uh, they're they're more, more concerned with those things. They're more concerned, uh, basically what Paul is getting at here is sin. They're more concerned with their sin and satisfying their flesh 
flesh and their own lusts and their own desires and their own covetousness and all these other things. They're more concerned with that than they are the things of God. But folks, if you are here uh, tonight and you are born again, uh, it should be evidenced in your life that you are more concerned with the things of God than you are about your own flesh. You're more concerned with the things of God than you are a good rest. You're more concerned about the things of God than you are a good meal. You're more concerned with the things of God than you are the football game or the baseball game. I'm not saying that there's anything sinful in those things in and of themselves, but if we're not careful, we'll let something take the place of Almighty God in our lives. And before you know it, you've allowed one thing to take the place of God. Then you've allowed another thing to take the place of God. And folks, as per the Scripture, this is idolatry. And in the Old Testament, idolatry was punishable by death. God said, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no other. He also said, I am the Lord thy God, and thou shalt have no gods before me. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll start minding the things of the flesh. And that'll get us in trouble with Almighty God. But here, Paul is talking about, he's making a comparison, really, between the lost and the saved. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And once again, what you are after and what you are paying mind to and what you are putting your attention toward is evidence whether you have the Spirit of God or not in your life. Once again, the other the, the extracurricular things that we do, uh, the, the, you know, me sitting at home on a Saturday evening in my recliner, relaxing for, for an hour or two hours or however long it is, that in and of itself is not sinful. Me sitting out on the patio uh, talking with people, that, there's nothing sinful about doing that. But if, but if that time comes, say church time comes around, I say, well, I'd rather just stay here in my recliner. Folks, that's a dangerous spot for me to be in. That's a dangerous thought for me to have. But praise God, I know I have the Spirit of God within me because I can't wait to get to church. Whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Sunday evening, whether it's Wednesday evening, or Monday, or Tuesday, or Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday, whatever the case is, I can't wait to get to church and to worship God with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't wait to sing the songs of Zion as we were talking about a little while ago in, in a form of corporate worship toward our God who has redeemed our soul, who has, who has, saved, who has saved us from His own wrath. He has saved my soul out of hell. The very least that I could do for Him, not to be saved, but because I am saved, the very least I could do for Him would be to worship Him, for He is worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded, this is, this is the enmity uh, with God that uh, we read about uh, actually in the next verse. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So to be carnally minded is, is the way to death. This is a, uh, the same thing Jesus Christ uh, was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount when, uh, when he talked about the broad road uh, that, that leads to destruction and the wide gate that leads in that direction. He 
talks about the straight path and the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Folks, it's the people that, uh, that, that have this life and they have this peace because they are in Christ Jesus and there is therefore now no condemnation upon them. Those are the ones that are on the straight path. They're the ones that are shooting for the narrow way. They're, they're the ones that have gotten off of that broad path. They're the ones that are straying far away from the wide gate that leads to destruction. Folks, that, 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 that way that is narrow, it's so narrow, I believe, in my own personal opinion, that only one person can get through that way at a time. I don't believe we can go through as a group that way that is wide that leads to destruction. It's wide because there's so many people on that path this day and time and in the day and time that Jesus Christ spoke those words. But folks, if I be in Christ and Christ is in me, when I go through that narrow way and Christ is in me, He is going through that way right there with me all the way. He said, I will go with you all the way, even unto the end. Our families, they can only go with us so far. They can only help us so much. In fact, as far as any family member or any friend that you have can go with you would be to the mouth of the grave that you are sure to lie in one of these days. But my Savior, hallelujah, He has promised to go with me all the way, even to the end. He can go with me beyond the grave, on into eternity, and in eternity ever after. Hallelujah. Praise God. My parents, they can't do so much for me. My own wife can't do so much for me, and I can only do so much for her. She can't crawl down there in that grave with me, and I can't do that for her. But there is one that said he would go with me all the way. Praise God for that. On into eternity. The Ancient of Days himself has promised that he will be with me. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. It says the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. In other words, what he says is it doesn't give heed. It doesn't, it doesn't take time to consider the law of God. And I could speak of this from personal experience. Before I was saved, I could have cared less about the laws of God. I could have cared less about the Bible, Old or New Testament. I could have cared less about the things of God, the people of God, the church houses of God or anything else I was a, of a carnal mind then and it, say, it says for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be it was impossible for me to take heed to the law of God oh this falls right in line with what the psalmist said when he said there is none that seeketh after righteousness there is none that seeks after God no not one hey before you were born again before you were ever resurrected from spiritual death into spiritual the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and our sin and a dead person is, is incapable of walking he is incapable of looking he's incapable of listening it took God Almighty to open the ears of a deaf man and pour in the spirit of God when that time came to save my soul and it took the same thing for you it was impossible for me to seek God, for I was not concerned about the things of God. But praise God, He came after me. He came to where I was. He came to me in all of my sin, and all my transgression, and all of my iniquity, and all of my filthiness, and all of my blackness, and all of my wickedness. God came to me in that state and offered an invitation of salvation. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that had every right to cast me off of the earth. 
earth and put me into hell. He had every right to do so for me and for you and for any right. and for everyone on the face of the planet. But because of his long suffering and because of his mercy and because of the death of his own son, because his son took his condemnation upon himself, because of these things, Jesus Christ and Almighty God looked down upon me and he had mercy upon me and he extended his hand and he said, come to me all you that are labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. This is our God, folks. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because they're incapable of considering the things of God. Mm -hmm. Verse 7, they're incapable of considering the law of God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible for them. That's why I feel so sorry for people that live basically what you might call a double life. They claim that they know God. They claim to be saved. And listen, I'm not their judge. I understand that. But their lives do not show the fruit of a saved individual. They might, they might feed homeless people. They might throw out $100 bills out their automobile window driving down the road so just some random stranger can pick it up. They might clothe the naked. They might help the widows. They might help the orphans. They might donate hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities in a year. But if they're depending on that to get them to heaven, that is not pleasing to God. What is pleasing to God? Jesus Christ is pleasing to God. Jesus and only Jesus Christ is pleasing to God. That, that's the only way unto salvation. They that are not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, are not pleasing to God. And they cannot please God. But ye are not of the flesh. So he changed gears back in verse 5 and kind of started talking a little bit about the saved, a little bit about the lost. Now he goes back, but ye are not in the flesh. He's given a warning to the folks here in the church of Rome in those last few verses that we read, verses 5 through verse 8, saying that those that are after the things of the Spirit, they'll act one way, but those that are after the things of the flesh, they'll act another way. In other words, look out for this in your churches. Look out for this in, in, in your congregation, in, in, in your worship community that you're in. He says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Praise God. I'm not in the flesh. These, these condemnations that we read here in those last few verses, that, that, that I cannot please God. I can please God because I am of the Spirit. I am in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in me. He says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you now. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And everything that we read in those few verses before this, it showed the difference between those that have the spirit of God and those that do not have the spirit of God. And like I said, I'm not the ultimate judge of anyone's salvation and whether or not anybody's going to heaven or anyone's going to hell. The funerals that I've preached, I've never once preached anyone into heaven and I've never once preached anyone into hell. God is the ultimate judge in that matter. I cannot make that decision only almighty God can but we can judge some fruits that some people are letting out and let me tell you if they are if they are producing rotten fruit that is of no benefit to the kingdom of God then chances are it's because they do not have the spirit of God abiding within them but if they are producing good fruit if they're producing the fruit of meekness 
that they're producing the fruit of patience and the fruit of love and the fruit of kindness. They're producing the fruit of uh, against such there is no law according to what we read Paul, uh, that Paul wrote to the churches at Galatia. If that is the fruit that they are producing, that is the fruit of the Spirit of God. And that is proof that they have Almighty God abiding within them in the third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When Jesus Christ was talking to the disciples and they were all tore up because Jesus had told them, I must go away. I must be crucified. I must be given over into the hands of sinful men. I must be given over to the Gentiles. And the disciples were all tore up about it. And Jesus said, if I go away, I will pray the Father and he will send the Comforter. And that Comforter is, of course, the Holy Spirit of God. And I praise God that he didn't just leave me down here to fend for myself when he saved my soul. God himself self moved inside to direct me and to guide me and if you're saved God himself moved in on the inside of you and he is who directs your past he's who directs your speech he's who directs everything about your life and for this we should give him continual praise in our lives and we should produce the fruit that the spirit has given us the 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 ability to produce if we're not doing that something's horribly wrong Something's horribly wrong. And if Christ be in you, and the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. What are we talking about here? <coughs> if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. When God moved in, folks, I, me, myself. I moved out. I moved out. God is within me. Now, am I still Spencer? Absolutely. Do I still look the same? Absolutely. But have we not read in the scriptures? Did, did Paul not say, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did he not say uh, that, that you're not your own? You're bought with a price. I don't belong to me. I belong to Almighty God. And he dwells on the inside. He owns this shell right here that you see that you refer to as Spencer Baumgartner. He owns everything about it. He, and not only does he own me, he owns everything about me. And God directs everything in my life. This, these are the actions of God and folks it gives me great pleasure to know that the creator of the universe the one that spoke the stars into existence, the one that spoke the sun and the moon into existence the one that, that created the earth and the waters and the one that commanded the land to rise up from the waters and commanded the waters to create the fish and the bowels of the air and commanded the land to make all the other critters that we read about and that we know about the very one that does all this creating abides with me. He loves me. He cares for me. And he wanted and wants me to be in heaven forever with him. Hallelujah. Amen. The same God that spoke all of everything into existence. He wanted me. He wanted me as sinful and as low life and as disgusting as I was. God wanted me. And he came to where I was. I don't expect anybody to stand up and testify about every sinful act you ever committed in your life. I don't want to hear it, and you shouldn't want folks to hear that. But you can go back in your own mind, and you can think about where God brought you from. Maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was drugs, maybe it was just lying or stealing 
But every one of us are guilty, are guilty of offending a thrice holy God, of breaking his laws. And some people, some people will say, well, uh, you know, my testimony is not that strong. You listen to me. If you're a born again child of God, you have a strong testimony. There is no better testimony to have than to say, I belong to the maker and the master of this entire universe. I am one of his. We read right here in Romans 8. We didn't read it tonight, but it says I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I stand to inherit it all. Me, lowly me. I stand to inherit it all with Jesus Christ because I'm an heir to God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Praise be unto God. He wanted me. He, he didn't accept my sin. He didn't accept my filth. But what he accepted was Jesus Christ when I came to Christ in faith and repentance. And I believe the gospel which was preached to me. God Almighty moved in on the inside and therefore there is no condemnation to me because I am in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Amen. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. You're not your own. You're not your own anymore. Really, but when we were still out in sin, we weren't our own. We were still part of God's creation. And God still owned us and He could do anything with us that He wanted to do. But, now that I'm in Christ, it's a whole different ballgame. If Christ be in you, the body is dead. Because of sin, this couples very well with what Paul wrote to the Galatians church, to the church in Gal- churches in Galatia, when he said in Galatians chapter two. <coughs> excuse me, he's, he, when, when he said that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live by the faith of Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave Himself for me. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What is crucifixion? It's death. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Folks, my my flesh, my body, it is dead. You might say, well, Spencer, you're breathing. You're walking around. You're, you're, You're preaching right now. You're doing all these things. Yes, but folks, ultimately, my flesh is dead. But Christ liveth in me. And Christ is life. From Him came life. From Him comes life and from him will forever come life for he is eternal and every one of his attributes are eternal right along with him that's right my flesh is dead because of sin because Christ is in me but the spirit is life because of righteousness the spirit is life what spirit the spirit of God the Spirit of God is life. And this just backs up what we said a little while ago as far as Ephesians chapter 2 goes where it says that we were dead in our trespasses and our sin. But the Spirit came and He moved in on the inside and He gave us life. And He is God. He is the third person of the eternal Godhead. And God is life. And if the Spirit of God moved in on me, I have life. And that's as well as I can explain that. The spirit, of, uh, the, spirit, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
The cause of righteousness. Well, we read just a, a little while ago about uh, God sending his only begotten son to, uh, and condemning sin in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And we, we read about this and it says that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us. And here we read about, uh, but the spirit, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness, because of God. God himself is righteousness. Jesus Christ is righteousness. The Holy Ghost of God is righteousness. Everything about God is righteous. Even his judgments and even his wrath and even his anger and even his fury. All of these are righteous acts of Almighty God for he can commit no sin. So anything that he does regardless of how good or bad we may think it to be in our finite minds, everything that Almighty God does is a righteous act. People will say, what about raining down uh, fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah? What about flooding the entire earth back in Noah's days? What about opening up the ground and swallowing up Korah and those that were that were around Korah? What about these acts of God? What, uh, what about the book of Revelation where we see so much judgment coming down? We see 21 different judgments uh, in the book of Revelation. What about these? Are those righteous acts? You better believe those are righteous acts because they are performed by a righteous God that knows no sin, that has never committed sin. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin for us. And he has never known sin, nor will he ever know sin. Praise God. Amen. He is righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus up from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. One thing I want you to notice in this verse. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit. It's not two different people, and I don't think I have to tell you all that, but it's not two different people that Paul is writing about here as far as differentiating Jesus and Christ in those two different statements. Jesus, the, 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 the name Jesus is what identified Jesus with us in his humanity. But Christ, Christ is the Messiah. Christ was the promised one. Christ literally means the anointed one of God. And that is, that's the, the, the difference that, that Paul was making here when he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, he raised a man, uh, raised the man, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, who was truly, uh, truly God, yes, but he was truly man. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This gives me promise, and this gives me great comfort and great relief to know that that when I'm dead and gone, when I'm six feet under and a hundred years from now where everybody on planet earth has forgotten who Spencer Baumgartner is, that Almighty God knows exactly where I am. Praise God, he'll know exactly where my body is. He'll know exactly how far down the earth I am. He'll know exactly what kind of decomposed state I might be in. But I have a promise that the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the grave on that third and glorious and appointed morning, the exact same 
same spirit because I have it uh, I have him now and because and because I have the spirit of God there is no condemnation in me that my body will not forever be in that con- uh, decayed state it will not forever be in a corrupted state I am promised a glorified body as per the scriptures likened unto the son of man which is my savior Jesus Christ our Lord hallelujah if you have the spirit of God in you you have the same promise it's not a different spirit that will raise me up it's the same spirit because only one spirit has that kind of power and that's the spirit of God and I have the spirit of God now and I will have the spirit of God for all eternity hallelujah that's tonight's message God bless you all I appreciate your attention